This morning we're going to have a, I, I, I said that last week we finished the Gospel of John and that we'll be moving into the book of Acts, but not this week. Um, this week is Reformation Sunday, and I, I wanted to do a sermon specifically geared towards, towards that. And next week will be just prior to the election, and so I want to do a sermon specifically geared towards that. And, uh, and then the following week we'll begin the, the book of Acts just so everybody knows where we're at. Um, and uh, welcome back, Brandon and Carrie, and we heard it was a fruitful time in Haiti, so it's good to have you guys back. Will you join me in, in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so thankful to be here on this morning, thankful for all that you are accomplishing, Lord, for your glory. We look forward to tomorrow and to see people coming on to our campus who do not yet know you. May we shine brightly here on this campus. That people would see us and hear us and, and, and be ministered to in such a way that they might know you. We pray, Lord, that, that our kids would be blessed. <laughs> the countdown for so many of our kids has come to there is one day left and we pray, Lord, that, that you would minister to their hearts and cause them just to love being a part of church and this gospel community in which we are a part of, Lord, and, and that they would have great joy tomorrow. And uh, we, we pray that you would minister to us on this morning, cause us just to glorify you with everything that goes on in our minds and in our hearts. And I pray that we would be conformed more and more into your image and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We, as of tomorrow, it's the 499th anniversary of the beginning of what is known as the Protestant Reformation. 499 years. Next year, over the course of the next 365 plus days, you are going to hear within the news, within, maybe not, but I would think so, in different circles, you'll probably hear more about the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, over the next year than in the entirety of your, in your lives. This time next year will be the 500th anniversary to the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And it's possible for us to be at a place of, why does it matter? Why does, why does it matter? And we, we live in a time where, for many people, they ask themselves of, why does it matter? Why do things matter? What matters? And this morning I, I pray that, that the Lord would work within our hearts to show us that the truth of God's word and the testimony in which we live, it matters. The gospel matters. It matters. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, You'll turn there with me. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles under your pews and the shelves there. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is speaking 
to Timothy. He's speaking to young Timothy, writing to young Timothy, who is fearful of a lot of things. And yet he's been called into the ministry. And so Paul from prison writes him. It says in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But join me, share with me in the sufferings for for what? For the gospel. For the gospel. We, we live in a time that some of the biggest emphasis that, that is placed upon us is to be peaceful with others at all, at all costs. Not, not in any way to say this way is right, this is true. We, we live in a time where you, you saw it in the previous presidential election where you had Mitt Romney that was running as a, as a Mormon. And goodness, the, the Christians amongst our country danced more around that than um, I ever thought would have taken place. As far as where they're at, Mormons, they are Christians too. How dare us ever say that that is not Christianity. And, and what we were forced to do is, is was say, well, they're Christians. They believe that the Bible, they believe in the Bible. They also have the Book of Mormon, but they believe in the Bible. But, but they're Christians, even though Jesus is not God, according to the Mormons, or even though Jesus is the brother of Satan, or e- even though you're not saved at all by faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. We were to take a position of, it's okay, because they have a Bible too, and they talk about Jesus. We live in a, in a, in a time now in which we are not to draw lines. We're not to say, this is true, or this is not a tr- true, or, or, or that there's such a thing as hell, and God sends people there. It's one of the most offensive things ever to be able to say that certain things are wrong. For us to say that there's certain things that are morally wrong puts us in what some would refer to us as a basket of deplorables that are unredeemable. And yet, God tells us in his word what is right. And God tells us in his word what is wrong. God tells us in his word what the gospel is. And God tells us in his word that it matters. You hear Paul from prison, and he's saying to young Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. 
Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. I'm in prison. I've been thrown into prison because of the proclamation of the gospel. But please don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And please don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me. Join with me. Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. Because the gospel matters. What the gospel says matters. To be able to articulate the gospel to us, it matters. It matters that we know what it is as far as who God is and who we are and how it is that we can be saved. There's theological differences that are amongst us here at Reverence Bible Church, and we show so much grace towards one another in those theological differences. It's a good thing. For us to divide over, over things that are non-essentials, God help us not to do that. God help us not to fall the enemy and divide over things that just we ought not to divide over. But the gospel, the gospel matters it matters to a young man named martin luther the gospel mattered to him living in 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 that time of the the 1500s and being in, in a place of seeing so much corruption that was there within the church you had the buying and selling of, of, of indulgences that were there to be able to, to keep people or to get people out of hell. People paying huge amounts of money and, and, and doing this and it being placed upon the church as a way of raising funds to build these huge cathedrals throughout Europe. But he's living during this time. He's living in a time in which the Word of God is not available to the common person at all. Had to be interpreted through the church, and nobody had access to the Word of God apart from the priesthood. He lived in a time in which the majority of the church, the entirety of the church, believed that the Pope had full authority within the church and that when he spoke he spoke ex cathedrally meaning he spoke the very words of God so the authority in which he had was was such that um, they must submit to him he lived during a time when salvation was something that came through works and indulgences and myriad of other things and it was not at all Encourage that say that salvation came by faith alone. And so Luther is studying and reading, and he, he's someone who entered into a monastery and was doing everything that he possibly could to earn his salvation. And yet he was so fearful of God. Hours upon hours upon hours of confession every single day. Because every part of his salvation was based upon his works. Until the gospel was made known to him. 
There was a verse that had just a radical impact upon Luther, and, and it comes from Romans chapter 1, and I'll read it to you in, in verse 16, where Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that passage just transformed him. The righteousness of God. A righteousness of God that makes it so that me who confess hours and hours every day, I can have the righteousness of God that's placed upon me and it's not based upon my works, but it's based upon God imputing it, putting it, on me that I get to have Christ's righteousness, the very righteousness of God upon me. And how does it come? It comes by faith and by faith alone. And it transformed him. God used that to save him. And so here's this young man that goes and, 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 and writes his 95 thesis, these 95 points. He writes it in Latin so that it's there, and he nails it upon that castle door there at Wittenberg, and he nails it on that door. It wasn't that he was, you know, doing something to, to be disrespectful and nailing something to the door. That was what took place. You would, you would do something like that, and it, would, it would, and it would bring about theological discussions at that particular time amongst those that were there within church leadership. He didn't write it in German. He wrote it in Latin to be able to be read by those people, but what took place was... It was taken, it was translated into German, and the printing press had just been invented, and it got sent everywhere, including to the Pope. And within weeks, this theologian there out of Wittenberg, Germany, his life was just radically changed. He... He goes from there to being in a place of being condemned by the church and the empire. He's brought before what's called the the Diet of Worms on April 17th and years later, a few years later, and he's asked, a question, do you, Martin Luther, recognize the books published under your name as your own? Are you prepared to recant what you've written in these books? And so at this particular event, on April 17th of 1521, he's been summoned by Charles V. He's there before everybody who is anybody within the empire. He's told that he's given safe passage to come. But he's asked the question, will you recant these things? Now when you're asked that question, will you recant these things? You must ask the question, does it matter? Does this matter? I've written these books. I've said these things. I've said that salvation comes by faith alone. I've said things like that there's the priesthood of all believers. I've made an emphasis that we are all to be able to read God's word. These are things that I've emphasized. I've talked about the, the 
a sinfulness of and, and the indulgences that were, were sold. So what do I do now? I'm called before them. Does it matter? And, and so he, he responds to, to this question by recognizing that it could cost him his life based upon what he answers. He says, since it involves faith and salvation and the word of God, could I have time to consider? And they say yes. And so he goes to his room that night. And here's the prayer that's recorded as Luther is thinking, does it matter? What do I say? I, tomorrow I go again before the emperor. Before, tomorrow I go again before every church leader. Tomorrow I go again before all these that could put me to death. Does it, does it matter? And here's his response. Here's his prayer. O almighty and everlasting God, how terrible is this world. Behold it, it openeth its mouth to swallow me up, and I have so little trust in thee. How weak is the flesh and how powerful is Satan. If it is in the strength of this world only that I must put my trust, all is over. My last hour is come. My condemnation has been pronounced. Oh God, oh God, oh God, do thou help me against all the wisdom of the world? Do this. Thou shouldest do this. Thou alone, for this is not my work, but thine. I, I have nothing to do here, nothing to contend for with these great ones of the world. I should desire to see my days flow on peaceful and happy, but the cause is thine, and it's a righteous and eternal cause, O oh Lord. Help me. Faithful and unchangeable God, in, in no man do I place my trust. It would be vain. All that is of man is uncertain. All that cometh of man fails. O oh God, my God, hearest thou me not? My God, art thou dead? No, no, thou cannot die. Thou hidest thyself only. Thou hast chosen me for this work. I know it well. Act then, O oh God, stand at my side. For the sake of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who is my defense and my shield and my strong tower, Lord, where stayest thou? O oh my God, where art thou? Come, come, I'm ready to lay down my life for thy truth, patient as a lamb, for it is the cause of justice, it is thine. Oh, I will never separate myself from thee, neither now nor through eternity. And though the world may be filled with devils, and though my body, which is still the work of thy hand should be slain, should be stretched upon the pavement, be cut in pieces, reduced to ashes. My soul is thine. Yes, I have the assurance of thy word. My soul belongs to thee. It shall abide forever with thee. Amen. Oh God, help me. Amen. Radical. Does it matter to him? It absolutely matters. He's saying, though... Though I should be slain or stretched upon the pavement or cut in pieces or reduced to ashes, my soul is yours. It belongs to you. He goes again the next day and, and he appears before him and they, he begins to talk about all that he's written and, and what it is that he believes and, and, and they become irritated with him to where they say, Luther, 
Johann Eck says, Luther, you've not answered to the point. You ought not to call in question what has been decided and condemned by councils. Therefore, I beg you to give a simple, unsophisticated answer without horns. Will you recant or not? Are you going to recant or not? Just give us a simple answer. And here's his response. Since your majesty and lordship ask for a plain answer, I will give you one without either horns or teeth. Unless I'm convicted by scripture or by right reason. For I trust neither in popes nor in councils, since they have often erred and contradicted themselves. Unless I'm thus convinced, I'm bound by the text of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I neither can nor will recant anything, since it is neither right nor safe to act against conscience. God help me. Amen. And that's his his, his historic reply. It matters to him. He's here, and you, you read what Paul says here. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Join with me in the sufferings of the gospel for the gospel. You have to remember that prior to this time, with the exception of a few people like Wycliffe and Huss and a few others, you had these dark ages that took place in which there was so little occurring within the church and for the sake of the gospel and darkness that had covered the earth as far as not knowing the truth of what the gospel is and what it is that it says and how it is that we could be saved. And if this generation here asks the question, why does it even matter? Why does it matter? They believe in Jesus. They talk about the Bible. Why does it matter? I, th- I think that there would be much that we should be ashamed of in that. But to hold to the gospel, to hold to the word of God, it matters. Here Paul is in prison. It says, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join me. And I think Luther would say, join me. Join me in these things. The emperor, after this, referred to what Lutheran, Luther taught as a cesspool of heresies. And the next day, Charles V, the emperor, said, a single monk led astray by private judgment has set himself against the faith held by all Christians for more than a thousand years. He believes that all Christians up to now have erred. Therefore, I have resolved to stake upon this cause all my dominions, my friends, my body and blood, my life and soul. As far as they're concerned, he's a dead man. The emperor is saying, I'm putting all my forces, everything against Luther and what he teaches. And yet, the Lord did something amazing through Luther's clear understanding of the gospel as it is recorded in the pages of Scripture. And when there came a moment for him to be ashamed, he said, I'm a prisoner to my conscience. I'm I'm prisoner to God's word. I 
I cannot recant because I'm a prisoner to him. Living at that same time was a man by the name of William Tyndale. Tyndale wanted, living in England, wanted the Bible to be translated into English. And as a result of that, he faced incredible, incredible persecution. He ended up leaving England in exile for seven years. And the king of England sent word to him, sent message to him to come back to England. So Tyndale responds in May of 1531 by saying this. I assure you, if it would stand with the king's most gracious pleasure to grant only a bare text of Scripture, that is, without explanatory notes, without any notes in the Bible, it just if the king would let just the bare text of Scripture to be put forth among his people, like as it is put forth among the subjects of the emperor in these parts and of other Christian princes, be it of the translation of what person soever shall please his majesty, I shall immediately make faithful promise never to write more, nor abide two days in these parts after the same, but immediately to repair unto his realm and there most humbly submit myself at the feet of his royal majesty, offering my body to suffer what pain or torture, yea, what death his grace will, so this be obtained. Until that time I will abide the asperity of all chances whatsoever shall come and endure my life in as many pains as it is able to bear and suffer. I've been gone for seven years. I will not come back unless you allow the Bible to be translated into the language of the people. I will never write another thing as long as you let the Bible be translated so that people can read it. It does not happen. He's later thrown into prison to be put to death in 1535, four years later. Thrown into prison. He's there in prison and he writes a note to the guard that's there and it's been recorded what he wrote. And just, if you bear with me for a moment, just, I want you to hear his heart because I think, I think it matters what he's saying. He's in prison and he just, he just wants the Bible to be translated so that people can read it. And so from prison, he says I, to, to the prison guard, to the person that's in charge there, I, I beg your lordship that, and that of the Lord Jesus that if I'm to remain here through winter, You'll request the commissary to, to have the kindness to send me from the goods of mine, which he has, a, a warm cap, for I suffer greatly from cold in the head. And I'm afflicted by a perpetual carter, which is much increased in this cell. A warmer coat also, for this which I have is very thin. A piece of cloth, too, to patch my leggings. My overcoat's worn out. My, shirt, my shirts are also worn out. He has a woolen shirt if he will be good enough to send it, I have also with him leggings of thicker cloth to put on above. He has also warmer nightcaps. And I ask to be allowed to have a lamp in the evening. It's indeed wearisome sitting alone in the dark. But most of all, okay, so 
At this point, he's, he's there just, I believe he's in Brussels, and, and he's there just saying, like, it's so cold. Like, could you just make it so I could just patch my pants, or could I just get a, a little cap to put on my head because it's so cold, and can, can I just get a lamp because it's really dark? I, here's some things. If, if, if I'm not going to be put to death before winter, could you just make it so this happens for me? But most of all, I beg and beseech your clemency to, to be urgent with the commissary that, I will kindly, that he will kindly permit me to have the Hebrew Bible, Hebrew grammar, and Hebrew dictionary, that I may pass the time in that study. In return, may you obtain what you most desire, so only that it be for the salvation of your soul. But if any other decision has been taken concerning me to be carried out before winter, I'll be patient, abiding the will of God to the glory of the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, whose spirit, I pray, may never direct, or may ever direct your heart. Tyndale. He was condemned as a heretic on October 6 of 1536. He was tied to a stake because he was a priest. They strangled him first. And then they burned his body. His last words, according to Fox, his book of martyrs says, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. He was 42 years old. 42 years old at that time. 1536. It mattered to him. It mattered to him that the word of God would be placed into the hands of the common people, that they would be able to read it. Tyndale understood that salvation came by faith alone. Tyndale understood that, that salvation was of grace and not of works. He understood these things. He wanted people to understand them. He wanted it to, them, them to get it. I have here the Geneva Bible that was printed in 1599. So he died. And within a short time later, this was printed. There's been over a million copies of this that were made during that time, written in English for the people to read. God transformed that continent. This is the Bible, the same Edition that would have been brought over on the Mayflower. This is what they brought. Written in English for people to understand because it mattered. It mattered. What God says in his word, it matters. An understanding of the salvation that comes not of works so that no one could boast, but it's the gift of God that comes by faith alone in the work of Christ alone to the glory of God alone, and it is all of grace alone. That message matters because if we don't believe that, what takes place is, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I given enough? Have I bought enough indulgences? Have I done all these things that I'm supposed to do? And you get to a place of it's a work salvation and it destroys the work of Christ upon the cross. To be able to go out Tomorrow, when people come onto our campus, to be able to go out today to those that we love, to those that come by our path, to those that we know, and to be able to say, here is the gospel. You are a sinner in desperate need of the grace of God. You will spend eternity in hell apart from being saved by the work of Christ. You must believe. 
that Jesus is God. You must believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You must believe that he has taken all of your sins upon himself. So there is no need of purgatory. There is no need of indulgences. There is no need for you to do anything to get rid of your sins. Because when God sent his son and he hung upon that cross, he paid the price for your sins to where it is finished. It's done. He said it is finished. And he lived a perfectly righteous life and he's taken his righteousness and he places it upon your account so that you are covered with robes of righteousness, the very righteousness of God. It's the most glorious thing that anybody could ever hear and it's recorded in the pages of scripture with clarity. You're saved by faith, not of works, so that you can never boast. It's the work of Christ upon the cross and this is the message that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It has nothing to do with your works, your filthy works. The best that you could ever do, it does not even come close to saving you. It all comes from the work of Christ so that you could never boast. But all of your faith, all of your hope is in a Savior, a Messiah, your Lord, your God who has done this. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so, may we be strong. May we have clarity with our understanding of the gospel. May God's word matter to us. May our testimony matter. May we not live like the world lives. May we not talk like the world talks. May our marriages not look like the way the world's marriages look. May our conduct at work not look like the world's conduct at work. May our leisure time not look like the world's leisure time. May we be a light that is upon a hill, and may we join with Paul, and join with Timothy, and join with Luther, and join with Tyndale, and join with all those that have gone before us in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. It's glorious. The message of salvation and the gospel and the purity and the perfection of the word of God matters and our testimony matters a willingness to proclaim the good news matters a willingness to nail that upon the church door matters a willingness to say i cannot recant though everybody is against me i cannot recant because my conscience is Bound by the word of God, it is captive to where I I cannot go against conscience. It's not safe for me to do that. It's not safe. I'm not afraid of Charles V. I'm not afraid of these things. Just kidding, kind of. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. It's not safe for me to go against God's word. It's true. It's living. 
It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It changes lives. Luther said something along the lines of, if I, if I could not be in, in uh, I'm going to mess it up, but, but basically, like, if, if I could not be in fear of God as far as, like, under his condemnation, I would stand on my head with joy. If, if, if I could just know that I'm not under condemnation, I'd stand on my head with joy. And he found it. He found that there is a righteousness that is apart from his own righteousness. It is the very righteousness of Christ. And it can be placed upon your account. There is a way to have all of your sin removed. And it is through faith in the work of Christ Jesus, our Lord, upon the cross, to take our sins upon himself. May we stand on our heads with joy. May there be so much joy in knowing that we have a salvation because we have a Savior. May we know these things through the power of God's almighty and perfect word. And may we join, may we join, even if sufferings may come, even if people think that we're narrow, even if we are a part of a basket of deplorables, May we join with Paul, his prisoner. May we join and proclaim the best news that anybody could ever hear. May we live it out in our lives that we would shine brightly and that Christ would be exalted and we would tell the world this matters. The gospel matters. And it cannot be changed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give us just so much boldness to, so much boldness to live out the gospel. So much boldness, boldness to proclaim the gospel. So much boldness to have it be where your word affects our lives to where how much money we have doesn't matter and the way people see us doesn't matter and whether we're comfortable doesn't matter but what matters is that we are living epistles proclaiming the gospel in all that we do making disciples seeing people come to know you and glorifying you with everything that is within us. May that matter to us on this day and the days to come more than anything else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.